0: Welcome to Divorce at Altitude, a podcast on Colorado family law. I'm Ryan Calamea. Each week, along with my business partner and co-host, Amy Gosha or an expert, we discuss a particular topic related to divorce or co-parenting in Colorado. In addition, we have created a short series of lessons that will take you through the legal process of divorce and answer your questions from simple to complex. Divorce isn't easy. The end of a marriage, especially when children are involved, brings a great deal of loss and change. We hope these practical tips and insights will help you on your journey to a new and better life. As a parent of two young kids, I can tell you that one of my biggest fears in life is something going bad or hurting my children. Now, when you compound that with a distrust of a divorce or roles are changing, people frequently ask me, what happens if something goes wrong? What can I do? And I explained to them that it is a motion to restrict parenting time. It's an emergency motion that asks the court to prohibit all unsupervised parenting time with the children for the other parent for up to 14 days. Now, this is guided by the law of 1410.129.4. Now, that law, that statute, it reads as follows. A motion to restrict parenting time or parental contact with a parent which alleges that a child is in imminent physical or emotional danger due to the parenting time or contact by the parent shall be heard and ruled upon by the court not later than 14 days after the filing of the motion. Any parenting time which occurs during the 14-day period after the filing of the motion shall be supervised by an unrelated third party deemed suitable by the court or by a licensed mental health professional as defined elsewhere in the statute. Now, what this all means is that if you believe that the other parent is endangering, and that is a technical term of art in family law, and there's some guidance on that. So, for example, if a child is with a parent in the car and the parent is drunk and has been pulled over for DUI, that is endangerment. If a parent is molesting or physically abusing, and then you get into the tricky territory of emotional abuse, and it depends on the circumstances, it depends on the judge, but those are the circumstances in which if the children are in imminent danger, and the statute doesn't define what that is, then a parent can file a motion to restrict parenting time. Now, what happens is once the court reads that motion and the clerks behind the scenes, and just as an aside, the clerks run everything in the the judicial system, but the clerks, they usually flag those motions and they bring it to the attention of a judge. Oftentimes, depending on the judicial district, they will have one judge that is on call. So if the judge that the case is normally assigned to, and you have to have an open case generally to be able to file a motion, but the court that would normally have that, they might be in a trial, they might be on vacation, they might be dealing with a criminal docket. And so the courts are aware that these are really important issues. And so oftentimes they will have a particular judge that deals with time-sensitive issues. So restraining orders or uh, warrants for arrest and motions to restrict parenting time. So the most When it is filed, the judge will read it and it will need to be verified, which means signed under penalty of perjury. And the uh, court will accept the allegations as true. And if the court finds that the child, based on the allegations, is in imminent harm or endangered in some capacity, then the court will issue uh, an order to have motion for, uh, rather, parenting time to be supervised. Uh, And then subsequent to that, the court is required to file or rather to hold a hearing and to issue a ruling within 14 days. So on one hand, the court recognizes and has to accept that what someone says is true, and they don't wait for the other party to say, you know what, this is all completely bogus. This isn't true. But that person is restricted with parenting time that has to have a supervisor, essentially, during their parenting time, they get expedited treatment and they'll have a hearing within 14 days. Now, one of the keys to this statute is that the court, if it finds that a motion, because the circumstances and the relief is so extreme that if a parent abuses that and files a motion when they shouldn't have and it, they just are using it for either leverage or just to harass or for you know some sort of undual purpose, then the court can award attorney's fees for defense. Ending that action. Now, let's talk about what actually happens at this hearing. The court was not expecting to have a hearing within 14 days, but it's required to under the law. The court usually is going to have something already scheduled on their docket. Now there could have been a trial that settled or it could have been a criminal docket day, whatever the case may be. But the judges usually will allow for one to two to three hours of a hearing for these motions to restrict. So what happens at one of those hearings? It depends on the judicial district and the workload of that particular judge. Some judges will let people basically come and argue and present hearsay evidence. They just want to get down to the bottom of it. And some judges will be a little bit more flexible with the rules of evidence and procedure. Other judges will have a different protocol. But at the end, the judge can either deny the motion and enter in some sort of award or such as attorney's fees, but can also order for unsupervised parenting time. Or the judge could continue to have supervised parenting time or some deviation from either what was happening in the past or the court order regarding parenting time or whatever the court determines is the best. Way forward in given the circumstances. Now, what are the other options in these circumstances? Oftentimes, if alcohol is related or drugs are related, an attorney or some arrangement can be made where the parent is, uh, if that is the issue, then testing can be, can ameliorate that issue that could be impacting parenting time. For, so, for example, parent could do Soberlink. Soberlink is um, an app and a device that you connect with an iPhone and you would blow into it and it allows everyone, the other attorneys, any sort of parenting experts to be notified if the parent tests positive or is uh, had some sort of alcohol. So that might be the linchpin in looking at solutions to that the children are otherwise safe if the parent is sober and you create uh, some sort of system or remedy that addresses the issue that would, otherwise endanger the children. The same thing would, would happen for drugs. Obviously when you get into physical abuse, then you also have some, you know, other considerations uh, with that. Before you file or when you file, you also have to take into consideration what is best for your children. Is it best to address it with the parent ahead of time? And if you wait too long, then you know you've got to accept or otherwise explain why you waited so long. There are a variety of other remedies, but suffice this to say, if you are dealing with either being on the receiving end of a motion to restrict, or you yourself are considering filing a motion to restrict, I would encourage you to talk with an attorney because the repercussions of these motions can be significant and can change the complete trajectory of your case. But that's at least an explanation as to what the remedies and a general overview of a motion to restrict parenting time in a Colorado divorce, or... Allocation of parental responsibilities action. Thanks for listening or watching this short lesson on the Divorce Altitude podcast. If you found this helpful, please leave a review or share with a friend. It does help for others that are going through or thinking about a divorce in Colorado. If you want to find out more information, please visit kalamaya.law or divorcealtitude.com. And that's dot law. Remember, this is educational information. It's not intended to be legal advice. Please consult with an attorney about the particulars of your case. We're happy to answer questions. Feel free to give us a call at 970-315-2365.